0: I work as a barista in a coffee shop inside of a larger store. I am one of a handful of male baristas at my shop. I'm gay, and I'm very open about this. I wear pride shoes, have a pride flag attached to my name tag, and I have a couple of wristbands with rainbows and phrases like, Orlando Strong. So the other day, I was working my shift at the register. A gentleman comes up to me and smiles. I think he noticed the pride flag on my name tag but he didn't explicitly mention it at first. He says he doesn't know what to order and asked me for my opinion. Now, I'm not a particularly devout coffee drinker, but I know what drinks fit what tastes, so I ask him what he likes, and I try to give him recommendations. As I'm talking, I can tell he's paying more attention to me than to what I'm saying, which I am completely okay with. He was a shorter but well-built man, had beautiful eyes, a nice beard, Basically, the perfect DILF. Eventually, he decides on a super sweet ice drink that we have, and I go to make it for him. As I'm making the drink, one of my coworkers leans over and whispers, I think that customer just took a picture of you. That was a bit of a red flag, but I thanked her and kind of brushed it off. I gave him his drink, and he smiles. He points to the pride flag and says, I love that flag. Where can I get one of those? I laughed and said that I got it from a pride event that I went to a few years back. He then said, and where can I get the person it's attached to? I immediately felt a rush and I began to blush, but trying to act professional, I brushed that off. He eventually takes his drink and sits at one of the tables. I continue going about my day, debating whether I should give in to this guy or not. Every now and then, I would glance at his table to see him looking at me. No matter when I looked, it seemed like he was looking directly at me. I started to get that weird feeling of heart eyes with red flags. Then I noticed that he hasn't taken a single drink from his coffee. Remember, it was an iced drink so I could see through the clear plastic cup. When I have a break and go to wipe down some of the tables, I stop by his table and ask if he didn't like the drink, and if not, I'd be glad to make him a new one free of charge. He hands me the drink and mentions he's not sure if it's too sweet for him or not, and asks me to try it. I politely decline, telling him that I don't drink coffee. He's shocked, and asks me why I'm working here and blah blah blah. As we're talking though, his questions start to change up. So, do you lift at all? No, not really. Well, how much do you think you could lift if you had to? The job requirement is 50 pounds to work here, so I guess at least that much. Well, I've learned that it's good to be able to lift at least half your body weight. How much do you weigh? Immediate red flags go off again. There was something about the combination of the drink and the two questions that made me feel like I was being asked how much of a fight I'd be able to hold. This put me off a little bit more than the previous two red flags, so I kindly and quickly end the conversation and head back to cleaning up the tables. As the hours go by, he continues to sit there, not drinking his drink. Other employees and a couple of managers ask if everything's okay, and he says that he's perfectly happy. Every now and then, he takes a phone call, and at one point, I swear I can see a guy on his phone at a different part of the store talking opposite of the guy at the table. Suddenly, I start to feel like there are more eyes on me than I had initially realized. I pull one of the managers aside and tell him that I'm getting weirder and weirder feelings about the guy. The manager says that we'll keep an eye on him. Now, I was closing on this particular shift, and so as we got closer and closer to closing time, I noticed him still sitting there. When the announcement that the store is closing in a half an hour is made, he comes up to the counter and asks if he could walk me to my car after I got off. I tell him our closing duties take us at least 45 minutes after we close the doors, and he says he'd be happy to wait. I politely decline, and he asks when I work next. I tell him that I'm off for a couple of weeks. Well, then I feel like I should walk you to your car, especially if I might not see you for a couple of weeks. No f***ing way. I politely decline, and eventually he leaves. I finish my closing duties and head to the employee area. As soon as I get down there, I tell one of my managers about the situation and ask if I can take the side exit from the store. At our store, we exit out one of the main doors after we close, but there is a side door that we use to get into the building before we open and that the managers use to get out after we close. He agrees and tells me he'd walk with me to my car to make sure I'm okay if I'm cool with waiting a little while. I am. So I walk out the side doors with a couple of managers. I get into my car and as I'm driving away, I see a large van with extremely tinted windows parked right in front of the front door. There's no way to know for sure if my customer was in that van and if it was as ominous as I thought it was, but I know that I was not about to stay to figure it out. And I took a long and winding path home that evening. So, to the very hot guy that I sold coffee to, let's not meet. Unless, of course, I just read all of these things wrong and you're just socially awkward and were actually into me and not in a creepy way that you gave off. But this is my first time posting and it's actually a story that I had absolutely forgotten about until recently. At the time, I just turned 17 and was still pretty naive to the world. I live in England so it is legal to work in a bar and serve alcohol supervised, but not to drink alcohol. Not that it ever stopped me. I worked in a working men's club filled with middle-aged to elderly people, and most were really nice. I sold bingo tickets twice a week for my dad's cousin, and I was pretty good at it. It's not typical to get tips here, but I earned more in tips than I did my actual wage. On a Saturday, my dad would come with me to have a drink with my elder sister, while they played competitive darts in the main bar, overlooking my booth. This one particular evening, there was a middle-aged, average-looking guy, a little on the plump side, but generally unnoticeable. On the first round of selling tickets, he was on the opposite side of the establishment, just sitting and drinking, looking over at me occasionally. The second round, he approached me, asked what it was that I was selling, how bingo worked, things of that nature. Clearly, he had never played before, but hey, everyone starts somewhere, right? He bought some tickets and offered to buy me a drink. I declined and informed him that I was underage. By now, I had a bit of an uneasy, creeping vibe, and I didn't want to take a drink from a guy that I didn't know anyway. He then offered a cola, complimenting me a little too hard once again. Again, I declined and went on my way to help with the game in the main hall, which is part of my job. Third time, he stood against the wall adjacent to me and just watched me as I worked. He'd waited until the queue calmed down and bragged about how much money he had and how he wants to be my sugar daddy, how cute I was, complimenting on my figure, my boobs, my butt, pretty much everything. I was pretty much trapped in my booth at this point. I was already late to get into the main hall, so the concert chairman, the guy who calls out the bingo numbers and gives out winnings, comes out and asks what's going on. This guy claims that we were just talking. I apologized to the chairman, and he walked with me into the hall, said that he could see I was freaked out, so I told him everything. He made the bar staff aware, who also made my boss, my dad's cousin, aware as well. Last round of selling tickets the guy doesn't even wait for me to get back to my booth. He straight up grabs my ass, telling me how he wants to be my sugar daddy once more, tries to push me against the wall. But before he can continue whatever his plan is, the man is spun around. By my father, my boss, and numerous staff members and customers coming to my aid. They had seen and heard what was on its way to going down. He began to argue his innocence until my dad not so politely introduced himself. The man at that point knew that he was f***ed. My dad clocked him straight in the nose, blood running down his face. As he laid there strewn about on the floor, everybody picked him up like a plank of wood and threw him right out the entrance door. Never saw that man again after that. Everyone checked up on me to make sure that I was okay, my sister covered for me the rest of my shift, and I was able to take a load off with family and patrons who had come to my rescue, enjoying a cola brought to me by a thoughtful, non-creepy person. In fact, I had so many people offering to buy me a pop that night that I had a free bar tab for the next two months or so. But back to it. Creepy guy that got handsy with me one night and wanted to be my sugar daddy. I can only hope that your busted nose healed just fine, but even more that we never cross paths again. I've always wanted to share this story, and i decided to use an old throwaway account since I usually just lurk here. I have no real way of proving my credibility, but if you've ever visited or lived in a rural part of South Asia, you can probably vouch for me in saying that it's a lot more plausible than one might assume. Also. This ended up being a lot longer than I thought, but I wanted to recount it precisely the way I remembered it. I had one of those moments recently where a lot of things came together in my brain to make sense of an event that my child mind couldn't properly comprehend at the time. So my mom was born and raised in the UK, but she is of South Asian descent. And since I'm mixed, she tries really hard to make sure that I'm in touch with my culture. This meant that, as a child, we made a lot of frequent trips back home. It's like every summer I can remember was spent there, and then it just suddenly stopped after this incident. My mom's family back home live in an extremely rural part of Bangladesh. There is a lot of poverty surrounding our family home, so we rarely left our relatively nice part of the village. I was never allowed out to explore, and coming from the concrete jungle that is London, I was always so curious. I'm going to explain what happened on this one particular day the way that I remember experiencing it, and then I'll explain what I failed to realize at the time. I was 8 years old then. One of my uncles from a neighboring village would often visit with his children, and when they did, my mom would let me go with them to a small hut-like shop that sold sweets and snacks maybe 15 minutes away from the family home. My cousins were 11 and 19, both male and it was broad daylight. To get to the shop, we'd walk through a small DIY road, and on both sides is what I would call the jungle. It was basically just lots of trees and bushes as far as the eye could see. You can't really see anything beyond the trees, it's just a lot of greenery. I'm mixed with East Asian, and I definitely get my looks from my dad's side, so being an obvious foreigner in a rural part of back home meant that I was pretty used to strangers staring and asking me questions. I was also used to creepy men that would tell me I was beautiful because I had pale skin. My mom warned me about these men and made sure that I knew to stay away from them. So the road to the hut was paved with creepy people making creepy comments and my cousins basically telling them to fuck off. There was also a group of young guys, some of them had motorbikes and some were just chillin'. One of them waved at me. He seemed friendly enough. And I had met so many people that my mom was convinced I must remember from the last time that I had zero recollection of. So I just waved back and went about my day. Once we got to the hut, we immediately started losing our self-control with the snacks. The owner was super friendly and he let us try a bunch of the sweet mishtees he had. This was also the first day that I had ever tried kulfi ice cream. I distinctly remember being excited because my mom and one of the ladies that worked as a cook with us both love kool ice cream, so I thought it would be a nice surprise for them. I asked for three, and the nice guy gave me four, so my hands were full, and they were quickly melting. He told me to run, run, go home quickly. I told my cousins I would get a running start, and once they finished, they could catch up with me. I would still be in their line of sight, plus it was daylight and we were on a very busy road. I start my run back. There were a few older aunties stood at the top of the road, and something about their presence gave me a sense of security. I felt a lot safer knowing that they were there, and paired with the fact that my cousins were able to see me clearly, I felt comfortable enough to just walk back leisurely, minding my business, enjoying my ice cream. I passed the group of guys, and the one that waved at me came over to me. He said, He said, You're X's niece, right? X being my uncle. And he jokingly took one of my ice creams and said, She got an ice cream for Mama. Mama means uncle in our language, just so you know. And with this banter, I assumed he was a friend of my uncle's. He asked me when I arrived and how I was finding the country. He was so friendly, and he didn't look like the stereotypical creep. When I said that I was going home, he said, Why don't you let uncle take you? You can ride on my motorbike." He used the term uncle colloquially as if he were a friend of the family because he certainly wasn't related to us. I think that's when something clicked in my mind that he maybe wasn't the friendly uncle that I thought he was. That's when I also realized I was pretty much encircled and was surrounded by the group of guys. It's also when I realized that I could no longer see my cousins. Or that group of old aunties, which also meant they probably couldn't see me. I wish I could explain in words how helpless and afraid I felt at that moment. I had all the threats in the world explained to me by my mom in a country where I knew I was vulnerable and had to be cautious, and I still managed to find myself in a dangerous situation. Luckily, my cousins came running and shouting, probably because I was their responsibility and the guys ran off into the jungle. This creeped me out, because there was nothing in that jungle. It was just trees as far as I could see, and I knew that it would be nearly impossible to find them in all of that. We caused quite the scene, and the villagers seemed to react as if they were already on edge. When we told my family about what had happened, I was basically on house arrest, and my mom refused to let me out of her sight. I was pretty shaken up about the whole situation, and so, honestly, I was kind of grateful for that. I put it down to my paranoia, but at the time, I would get overwhelming feelings of being watched. Our village is quite small, like, amongst them, it's an everyone knows everyone sort of thing. My uncle is a big community figure, and he's very well known amongst the villagers, which is why the men probably put two and two together that I was his niece. Having foreign family over is usually a pretty big deal, and having a niece that is mixed race was also a very big deal. I'm sure word got around. He realized that there were a group of men on motorbikes who would frequently go past our house. They stayed a decent distance from our gate, and they weren't anyone that we would have known. It's creepy to think about now, the lengths they were going to. A couple of days before we were due to fly back, I had my second, last, and worst encounter with this particular friendly uncle. It was nighttime, and it was very much like every other night that we were there. We would play board games or card games in the front room. Because it was so hot, I went to my bedroom, and I began playing on my Nintendo DS. What a throwback. And that's when I saw, out of the corner of my eye, someone standing at my window, staring directly at me. It was him. The worst part is that he had the most creepy, sick, and twisted smile that I'd ever seen on a person's face. He put a finger to his lips, but I did the literal opposite and began screaming hysterically. I had been on edge since the ice cream incident, so what might seem like an overreaction was just my natural response. I can't really tell you what happened next because no one has ever told me. My very large uncle and his very large friends are not known to be the friendliest of people, but I was told that he dealt with that man and that he would never bother me again. We recently received a wedding film from one of my cousin's weddings, and part of the film was her leaving to get to the venue, and I noticed that the jungle was no longer there. It had basically been cut down. For the first time, I could see beyond the greenery, That's when my mom explained to me that my uncle had cut it down not long after that particular visit, because of the head cutters. Believe me, it sounds even more sinister in my language. My entire life, I've wondered what would have happened to me if I had gotten on that motorbike, but now I know with reasonable certainty what that man's intentions were. During that time, a gang had been kidnapping beggar children. It took a while for the village to realize because it's not unusual for beggar children to go missing. When we were there, people were vaguely aware that it was becoming a trend. A couple of months later, a single head was found. It became known in our village, but people tried to keep it quiet to avoid getting a bad name. The problem went away once a lot of the greenery had been cleared, so there was nowhere left to hide. But it's also when they realized the magnitude of what had been happening underneath their noses. The weird thing is, I've known about the head cutters for a while. I knew it was something that had occurred in our village. But for some reason, until recently, I never put two and two together. But now that I have, I think quite often about what nearly happened to me. But more importantly, what happened to a handful of children in that little village? I think about the fact that Beyond a relatively small circle, no one else thinks about them. No one is haunted by their deaths, which is like turning a knife in my soul. I've always wanted to tell someone about my experience, but it's not a topic that I really feel comfortable discussing. However, I've also always felt a lot of guilt, because while I was lucky to be safe, there were children who weren't. That man still haunts my dreams. but. I know that I'm very blessed to still be able to dream. I have no idea who those children were and I have no possible way of ever knowing their names or even tracing their families. But in a very, very small way, this feels like a tribute to them. We may not know their names, but every person who hears this story now knows that they existed and knows a little bit of their story. And for that, I thank you. So, to the creepy uncle with the motorbike, let's not meet again. I wish the children that had met you never had, and I hope that no one ever has the misfortune of meeting you ever again.